Welcome to episode number nine. Today we're going to cover what American Idol has to do with 360 degree feedback. We're going to talk about why feedback is your friend. And yes, it is your friend. I'm going to try to convince you of that today. And I'm going to go into pretty a lot of detail around the top mistakes that people make when they implement or use a 360. So I'm going to talk about those mistakes. I'm going to tell you why each one of them matter and tell you how to avoid them. So you should be able to use the information from this podcast to uh, figure out whether you really want to embrace a 360 feedback project and give you some of these tips on how to avoid the mistakes is kind of your roadmap to have great success with any 360 degree feedback that you may want to implement. Or if you're considering 360 feedback, you're going to feel more prepared. So let's get started. Glad you're here. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hi, welcome. My name is Susie Price, and I'm glad you're here at the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, where we help leaders, trainers, and consultants build the energy, commitment, and communication in their organizations. The episodes at this podcast are focused on two areas that I focus on exclusively in my business, Priceless Professional Development, and that is in the areas of employee selection and professional development. So if you're focused in either of those areas, you're going to find tools and resources and input and information that you can use to build a wake-up eager workforce. So today's topic is the title of the program for episode number nine is American Idol, the power of feedback and the top 13 mistakes with 360s. And so we're going to go into a lot about 360 feedback and it, I've got show notes with links to all kinds of information that you can use as follow up to uh, this podcast. And you can find the show notes at pricelessprofessional.com slash yes to feedback, Y-E-S-T-O feedback, all lowercase. So let's start out. You heard me mention that I was going to talk about American Idol. What the heck does American Idol have to do with professional development? Well, I am a big fan of American Idol. And usually people know not to call me on the nights that American Idol is on because I'm watching it. And if I'm not home watching it, I'm recording it because I'm going to watch it. And I know, uh, I guess some people might think that that program is more for teenagers. Sometimes I think I'm a teenager, but uh, really, I just love watching these people grow in progress. I love seeing talent and I love see the, seeing the acceleration of their talent. And I love seeing how they perform like a star in less than four months. I mean, it's awesome to see the progress of these young people. Now, some of what creates this growth is the machine of American Idol. And they are obviously talented or they wouldn't be in there performing or being selected each time they have to go through each one of the the uh, challenge rounds. But I believe what happens, the key piece, one is they're getting a lot of practice. And most importantly, when they're practicing, they're getting feedback. So they're up in front, putting themselves out there and they're getting feedback. This worked. That didn't work. And I think it's about the feedback. And I've experienced that. I'm an independent consultant, have had my business since 2004, and I can remember being blown away, especially initially, by how much feedback I was getting. 
I've gotten used to it now, but initially it was kind of tough because um, every engagement, every week, every day, uh, you were being informed on how well you did in that talk, how well you did or didn't do in that workshop, what could have been better, each consulting engagement, the amount of feedback I received from leaving my corporate job and going into my own role as an independent consultant tripled, quadrupled. But what I also noticed is that my growth tripled or quadrupled. So, you know, every time I do a talk or run a project, I get information. Every time I go for a certification, there's some kind of test or there's some kind of something I have to do and I'm going to be judged or assessed or given feedback on how well I did. So it was a little nerve wracking in the beginning, but uh, having someone give me that much feedback has really helped. And I find now that I have gotten even more confidence in what I do, it's easier for me to ask for the feedback. So if I don't get it for any reason, I ask for it. How was that? What worked for you? What didn't work for you? And so the more feedback we get and the more we figure out that, okay, it's not going to kill me to get this feedback and it actually helps me, even if I don't always like what I hear, then the more we just start that momentum and we start moving forward or towards feedback, not away from it or protecting ourselves from it. So our progress and growth as human beings, as leaders, as sales professionals, as executives, as uh any kind of professional level position. And as human beings, it's accelerated by feedback. And so I believe that feedback is crucial to growth. And getting back to American Idol, uh, there's one American Idol contestant who really stood out for me. And, you know, her growth was exponential because of where she started. Uh, her name was Kelly Pickler, and she was a contestant in 2005. And she stood out because she had pretty humble beginnings. It was cute. She, uh, they showed pictures of her rolling, wearing roller skates as she was working as, uh, delivering hamburgers at a Sonic. I think it was a Sonic. And, uh, she was in a small town, Albemarle, North Carolina. I had to look up the city to, to, uh, get it right. But she's small town and she'd never been out of that town. And so cute to see her, you know, uh, doing her thing as a teenager working at the hamburger stand. But it was interesting that her background was particularly humble as well. Her father was in prison, I believe, at the time, and her mother had left the family when she was two years old. So she wasn't uh, starting out with um, a lot of givens, and she had had a lot to um, come from. She was living with her grandfather and just she just stood out and and she had a good voice but she didn't have the best voice there were better singers in the group but she had lots of presence and lots of determination and lots of personality so it she stood out for a lot of those reasons and um she was strong enough to get into the top 10 and today years later she has had successful albums, and she's been awarded several country music performance awards and songwriting awards, and she's been all over the world. And and Kelly Bickler went from being a small-town girl with many negative family influences in her life, and she's made quite a transformation. I mean, how does somebody go from fast food waitress to being the opening act for famous bands like Rascal Flatts, be, being able to confidently perform in front of 31 million viewers. I mean, that's phenomenal. And as I said earlier, I know the Hollywood machine is in play here and, and there's, and, you know, that accelerates these young people. 
But if you look behind that and you say, okay, what else is going on here? Because um, all of the kids uh, grow. And that is, I think there's two things that are key to growth and expansion as individuals and as leaders and professionals. The first is practice focus and intense practice on whatever you're trying to improve upon or become better at is you focus and you're intense about that focus. So you see that in this process of American Idol. And second, getting feedback on an ongoing basis, regularly hearing, okay, where am I on track? Where am I not on track? So practice and feedback, in my view, are are what brings American Idol and leadership and professional development together. And that is, if we can have practice and feedback, then we're going to have lots of growth and we're going to have an opportunity for growth and expansion and acceleration and becoming the best in our field. Um, But there's a problem. And the problem is most of us aren't all that comfortable with receiving feedback. Most of us feel like I did when I first started. Whoa, this is too much feedback. I'm not sure I want this. And and we're not always so good at giving feedback. People don't often know how they're really doing on the job. And we've all got a long way. I see it in organizations all the time, a long way to go to getting better at giving and receiving feedback, both sides of it. And so... Because I know feedback is so important to growth and expansion and and um, commitment and engagement in organizations, one tool that I like to use is the 360-degree feedback tool. And so 360-degree feedback is a way that you can add to the feedback equation in your organization. So what is 360-degree feedback? Well, it's a personal and professional development process that involves getting anonymous feedback about specific traits and competencies from people who observe the person they're rating's behaviors. And they, they're usually at work when we're talking 360-degree feedback. So it's some, it's either direct reports, peers, managers, customers, all of those people are working with a particular person and they're providing feedback around behaviors and traits that are important to success in the job. And the tool that I like to use is using it online. Some people like to do live and in-person feedback, and I have done that as well. Um, but mostly I'd like to do the online version because it is more anonymous and it's easier to aggregate the data. So you can get more input from more people and make better sense of the data. So that's some of the positives for an online system. So that's what a 360-degree feedback is if you're not familiar with the tool and in the reason you do it because feedback helps feedback helps young talent uh young talent old talent any talent become stars so and if you if you think about it when you think about feedback i'm back to my talking a little bit more about how important feedback is if you think about it we benefit from feedback every day formally or informally. So we, I'm, I'm convinced that you benefit from a 360, but think about how you benefit from feedback when, say, you're at an important networking event or an important meeting and you're eating a snack or uh, eating some of the appetizers and you're about to go talk to people and someone stops you and or the first person you talk to says, hey, oh, by the way, you've got a little spinach right there on your teeth. That's feedback, right? It's feedback because now you didn't see it, you didn't know it, but somebody went out of their way to tell you, hey, you got a little spinach on your teeth. So feedback can help you see something that you that you can't see yourself, literally. You physically can't see it, as in the spinach situation there. 
Or here's another one that you want want feedback, right? You want feedback if you happen, if you're a lady and you happen to walk out of the bathroom and you had a skirt on and your skirt is tucked into your pantyhose. You'd like a little feedback before you walk into the crowd for somebody to say, uh, miss, miss, check your skirt, right? So it can save you from feedback and save you from major embarrassment and, again, help you see something that you don't see or, or can't realize or don't realize. Um, when we're driving every day, say you're driving, you reach down to get your phone and you hear little bumps on the road. You're pretty happy to hear those bumps, aren't you? You can look at those bumps as feedback. Hey, thanks for the feedback. I'm going to get back on, on the road here and not have a big wreck. Same thing. There's another way that feedback is helpful. If your teenager is driving, they're a new driver and a police officer pulls them over because they're speeding or they're not wearing their seatbelt. Well, your teenager's not going to like that feedback, but in the long run, everybody's happy that they got the feedback from the police officer because they're going to be safer. So feedback can help you stay safe because it can help you figure out, okay, when have I crossed boundaries or done things that could hurt myself or hurt other people? So feedback helps you there. So just trying to point out examples and make feedback um help you see how important feedback is just in our daily life and how we live and what we do every day. We rely on feedback. And and so if we can do more of that in our organizations and we can do it through a tool like a 360, then um, we're, we're expanding the value of feedback. So to recap, feedback helps you understand how your behavior is impacting others. It helps you leverage strengths and address perception problems. It, it can be Sometimes it can be varied and contradictory, you know, so you think about American Idol, you get feedback and, and the contestants often, the, there'll be three or four judges and the judges do not all agree and they all, one loves it and the other one thinks they need to do this different and another one thinks they need to do something else different. So 360 feedback or feedback from your colleagues and peers and your boss can sometimes be confusing and contradictory um, and sometimes hurtful, but in the end, it always is, uh, can be helpful. You know, feedback is not always about you, but it's always something you can learn something from and it's always for you. So I think we avoid feedback sometimes because of that varied, contradictory, hurtful fear, you know, of what you're getting. But uh, over time, you can take that feedback, even if it was contradictory and hurtful and uh, use it to your benefit. I have time and time again, um, Feedback is important because it's a place for people to share their opinions. Uh, the Gallup organization does the engagement survey, and one of the questions that they ask folks is, uh, how highly do you rate my opinions count? And they found that as a key engagement factor. People want to be able to share their opinions. They want to know that their opinions matter. And so 360 feedback is a tool that can help people share their opinions and do it more freely since we're all not so great at feedback, or most of us aren't. Um, it's great if you're the receiver of feedback uh, when you're doing a 360. It's, it's an opportunity for you to hear those opinions and try to understand, okay, what is their perception? How are they seeing what I do? It does how they see what I do match with how I see what I do. And if there's a mix match there, mismatch, we want to know about it. Uh, 360 degree feedback or any feedback, it's a time for Look, you look for themes, you, you get new understandings about yourself, and you use all that information to catapult your success. It's a time for leveraging strengths. It's a time for closing gaps. And it's really a strong tool because you can use it to improve your awareness. You can use it to 
improve your knowledge about yourself and your skills. So 360 feedback um, is so powerful. And without feedback, we, we lose a lot of those advantages. And and so um, I guess I'm doing a sales job on you to remind you of how important feedback is and, and to encourage you to say and realize for yourself, if you're an individual leader or if you're a trainer and consultant in an organization trying to figure out how to improve performance or what kind of professional development tools you're going to use with folks. Feedback is crucial and finding ways to do that, especially with a tool like 360 feedback. Feedback is everybody's friend. It's your friend. It's, it's development's friend. Um, it's not always easy to take. And when you get it though, what I always like is, okay, at least I know where they're coming from. And, uh, then you can decide, okay, what adjustments do I need to make? And, you know, what am I going to use and what is is for me and what is not for me? Um, but you, it keeps you from being unconscious. That's what happens so often. People just aren't aware that they're even doing something that is impeding their performance. And so it's so much better to know about the spinach in your teeth or your uh, going off the side of the road than to not know. And uh, so feedback is your friend. And uh, I found a quote that I like. It's from an interesting person. He's the uh, master, get this title, right? Master composer of music for the queen. So he prepares music just for the queen. And his name is Sir Peter Maxwell Davies. And what he shared is just pretty simple, but I just thought it was so impactful. If you don't get feedback from your performers and your audience, you're going to be working in a vacuum. Now, of course, he's talking about music that he composes, but think about daily life as a leader or an executive or a trainer or a consultant. You know, if you don't get feedback from the people who are listening to you, the people you are serving, you're going to be working in a vacuum. And none of us want to work in a vacuum. We don't want to be that guy or that gal who is clueless about what's going on around them. And so... Hopefully now you're convinced that 360 feedback or feedback is important and you're open to the idea of how feedback helps people and organizations and individuals grow dramatically. And so what I want to do now is look at 360 degree feedback and talk about mistakes because 360 degree feedback, when done well, makes a big difference in individuals' lives and in the professional work. And the only time a 360 is bad, in my view, and what I've seen, is when it's executed poorly. And so I've been using this tool with leaders for most of my career. And in episode number eight, I did, which is the podcast right before this one, I did an interview with a colleague, Greg Gregory, and we discussed the good, the bad, and how-to around 360s. And so if you want to go into some other information about uh, like Greg talks about how, why he didn't for a long time want to use 360s and then wh- how he changed his mind and the difference it makes. And he gives some input around how to, how he debriefs a report. So if you're going the route of a 360, you might want to listen to that podcast and you can go to pricelessprofessional.com slash 360 feedback, 360 feedback, all one word, lowercase. So I'm going to share with you now the top 13 mistakes individuals and organizations make when they're implementing a 360. I'm going to tell you why each mistake is a mistake, and I'm going to give you some suggestions on how to not make that mistake. And uh, again, the show notes for this episode is pricelessprofessional.com. Yes to feedback, Y-E-S-T-O feedback. That's in reference to the fact that I'm doing a sales job on you about how important feedback is 
so um, to success. So as I go through the mistakes, I'm going to jump in here at different places. I'm going to include some additional comments from some of my colleagues who also use 360 degree feedback. And so we had a discussion on LinkedIn. I had posted a, a comment about tell me what you like or don't like. Tell me about your experiences around 360, some of your advice. And so I've included uh, some of those here in the in the notes. So you'll see uh, me mention them in as we move forward through the 13 mistakes. And I also have a PDF of the top 13 mistakes. So you can hit the show notes and you'll see the link to that PDF. You can download it and use it as you roll out your 360-degree feedback project. All right, so here's the mistakes. If you make these, they tend to erase the good effects of feedback, and so you want to avoid them to increase the success of each person's development and growth when you do a 360-degree feedback project. So mistake number one. Mistake number one is when subjects and raters do not receive enough communication up front. So this matters because all the people involved, the people who are receiving the feedback, the people who are rating, the people who are receiving feedback, they've got to understand why you're doing this and how the information is going to be used. So you want to spend some time talking to people. So you want them to hear it, but you also want them to see it. If you think about how people take in information and communication, most people forget what they've heard, you know, the next day. So you want to back it up, communicate in a couple different ways, verbally and written. And then when you're doing the writing, I usually will help with a communication template. And I want to give three reasons of why it's important. So why is this important to the organization? Why does your feedback and this process, why is it important to our team? Why is it important to the individual receiving the feedback? Why is it important to the raters who are giving the feedback? And that takes a little bit of work to think that through, but it helps you as an organization get very clear about why you're doing this. And it helps the people who are thinking about giving you honest feedback um, to buy into. You kind of got to do your own sales job about why feedback is important and why this project is important. And if you're just sending out links with no communication around that, the input that you're going to get is going to be less than stellar. And also... The other part is that there's the three or four whys about why it's important. But the other thing is, is how is it going to be used? How, how are you going to use these results? You know, it, you've got to ensure anonymity and you've got to say, OK, this is going to be used for development only and talk about that. How how what is the development process going to be? Um, so you got to answer those questions, because before anybody's going to start giving real helpful feedback, they got to know why and they got to know how it's going to be used. And that will, if you can master that, it gets glossed over all the time. But if you can master that, you're going to start out right. And starting out right is crucial in this. People, the subjects, the people who are receiving the feedback are going to be more receptive. And the people who are giving the feedback are going to be more receptive and less resistant. Mistake number two, 360 degree feedback results are considered when determining raises and promotions and are used in place of or with performance appraisals. Ooh, big mistake. Don't want to do that. You want to use the results for development purposes only. And you want to uh, make sure you're not holding a project of 360 degree development anytime close to or near when raises are going to be made. And so tying results to pay kills the ability, kills it, kills it, kills it, the ability to get honest feedback. And it's going to create all sorts of mistrust and angst on everybody's side. So 
don't let this mis- big mistake sink you. Do not tie it to raises. Make sure with 360-degree feedback, it's all about development. Look for that in your timing and make sure that is clearly communicated to everybody. Mistake number three, subjects and raters do not receive instructions on how to give positive and helpful feedback. So that's a part of the pre-communication, right? In that communication that we do up front uh, with the why and the how, we also include some tips on how to give good feedback. We have some little sample presentations. If people want to do more than just send a memo, they can do a, a dialogue with the group and giving some input. And then on the system that I use, when people go into the link to rate, these instructions show up. They're very simple, but they help. And it's usually a recap of what has been said to them verbally. So they're seeing it once again, not and not for the first time. We have uh, four simple statements that say this. Do not rate higher or lower than deserved. When writing comments, describe both positive and constructive aspects. The best comments are very specific and include examples. Avoid emotional comments, whether positive or constructive. So you've got instructions there. Not everybody's going to follow that to the T. We know how that goes, right? But you're at least telling people, here's the expectations. Here's the instructions. This is what an effective feedback from you would look like. And those simple statements, and they actually do help. Um, so make sure that you're giving instructions on how to give positive and helpful feedback. I mentioned that I was going to share some input from colleagues around their experience with 360-degree feedback, and so I've got my first one I'm going to share here with. It's Vicki Lauder. She's a managing partner at Strategic Human Insights located here in Atlanta, Georgia, and here's what she said about 360s. I always recommend the person filling out the 360 give as detailed examples as possible of the person's behavior for the person receiving the feedback. Case in point, there was a manager that had a high dominance personality and she rubbed some of her employees the wrong way and several employees left. Though These employees claimed that they had left because of this manager. So I'll insert here in case you don't know what a high dominance personality is. That's on the disc communication styles. And it, high dominance is someone who's usually seen as very bold and assertive and very direct. Okay, back to Vicki's comments. So the general comments around the office was the manager was horrible and causing people to leave. So that was the gossip, right? That's my insert there. So I, Vicki says, I did the 360. And we had some of her former employees participate and I think she's had the team participate too. But surprise, the overall feedback for this individual was positive. Apparently, she was unaware that she was sometimes short and too direct for some individuals to handle. She was surprised that some people said they had left the company because of her. She indicated she was grateful to hear the comments because it was never her intent to hurt people or run them off. 360s can be good as stated before, but the information has to be delivered in a way for the person to receive the message and not feel like they have been beat with a sledgehammer. Exactly right. So it's how the, how the feedback is delivered. And in this particular case, it sounded like I'm inferring some things here, but it sounds like, you know, they, they thought, okay, this manager is running people off. And it turns out the 360 degree feedback. Yes, it did reveal some of that, but it also revealed a lot of her strengths. And so it helped 
everybody get a better understanding of how this manager is working and it's going to help this manager do a better job of managing her style and become aware she actually was able to get the information of what people were thinking and saying and understand perceptions and she can work on it. So that that's some great in, insight from Vicki and a, a little example of the power of 360 feedback. So that's Vicki Lauder, L-A-U-T-E-R, uh, at Strategic Human Insights. All right, now let's go to mistake number four. Not using a secure online system to ensure anonymity of raiders. So why does this matter? If your raiders, the people who are giving feedback, do not feel assured that the feedback they offer is confidential, they're not going to share their true perspective. And if this happens, the people, the survey subjects are going to miss an opportunity to address any problem issues. Um, and so they're not going to get real feedback from people. So if people uh, think that their information is going to be seen or somehow it's going to get back, that this uh, feedback is from me directly and that it's not aggregated into a summary report, and then they're not going to participate very well. And so you need to use a secure software system. You don't want to use anything like GoDaddy uh, when you're doing a real 360. Uh, you want to use something that assures the participant raters that uh, they're secure and their information is going to be secure. I like the feature that the system I use has, which is they get a, a login ID, but then they create their own password. So they can go in, start the survey, you know, use their password to go back a couple of times. When they finally push I'm done or final submit, then it goes into um, our system. And I can't find out who's who. I don't want to anyway, but I can't. It, it just basically goes into the average that it's creating. And um, you, you'll see on the survey example, I'll put a copy of a sample survey in the show notes, but you'll see where you have categories. So you have direct reports and you get an average of all of their scores. So on this item, scale of one to 10, your direct reports gave you this score. And so you got direct reports and peers. So it gets, it gets averaged. And so you need to have a kind of system like that that does things that does assure that these people are not that are going out of their way to provide a rating and provide feedback that um, their 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 identity is not going to be revealed okay mistake number five the survey that you're using is canned or off the shelf and is not tailored to your company's needs so if the items being measured are not specifically important to your team or to this to this particular person in this particular position at this particular time, the feedback's not going to be pertinent and probably isn't going to be acted upon. So you want to use a survey you can tailor to specific behaviors and needs in the company right now. So you want it to match your company values. You want it to match the competencies that are important to your leadership. Um, so there's a or behaviors that you're wanting to make sure are being measured and that there's more of those behaviors happening in the organization at this time. So if you can use a tailored survey, do that. And if you can't and you are using a canned survey, make sure that that survey fits your organization and fits what you're looking to measure at this point. They don't all do that. So make sure you're looking for that. Okay, mistake number six. The selected raters do not interact and observe the survey subject in action when they're at work, and they don't do this on a regular basis. So it's somebody who maybe works remotely and hardly knows the person that's getting the 360 feedback. And so 
seems seems obvious, but sometimes that gets missed, so I put it in here because it happens. Um, if you do that, what will happen is you're going to get feedback. Yes, you'll get feedback on someone's qualities, but the feedback's going to be really light, and it might even be inaccurate. So, you know, I interact with you one time at one conference, one time over two years, and you ask me to give you feedback on part of your direct reports or your a peer, then the feedback I'm going to give is either going to be off because I've only had a couple interactions with you or it's just not going to be very rich. So make sure that the people who are giving the feedback do actually interact with the subject or the person that's being rated. Mistake number seven, you have less than three raters for each category. For example, only two peers or only two direct reports. That kind of ties in with the being anonymous and knowing sure that I'm not going to be singled out. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that when you're setting a survey up that you have three raters per category. For You, know, you have at least three peers and you have at least three direct reports. You can have hundreds, you can have 50, you can have 10, but you got to at least at the minimum have three. If you have two raters, chances are good. You hate it when it happens, but it's very normal for someone getting the feedback to say, okay, I only have two direct reports that participated in this, so that must be what Sally said, and that's what Jane said. Uh, and you don't want that, because that doesn't help Sally or Jane, and it gets the survey subject person off track and not focusing on the feedback. They get focused on trying to figure out who gave the feedback, so it's off track. So it, if you have less than two, or if you don't have three raters in each category, it affects your ability to assure confidentiality, and um, it could uh, cause problems in in how accurate the feedback is or how honest it is. Now, a caveat is you're always you're, the manager almost always is giving feedback to the survey subject, and they're going to know. Okay, I just have one manager, so I know who gave me this feedback. But that's part of the manager's job is to be the person who gives that feedback. So that's not going to happen, you know, in regard to having three, but you do definitely want for direct reports or peers um, in the survey system that I use, we change the names. It doesn't have to be direct reports. If you're in your organization, it's called associates or teammates or team members, you know, whatever that category is, you can, you can adjust that. And again, I have a sample 360 in the show notes. So you can look at that and see what I'm talking about. Okay. All right, some more feedback from a colleague. This is Tom Lemansky. He's an executive coach at Chicago Executive Coaching, and he provided some good insight. He called, I love, I've not heard this before, uh, the Raiders, we want to make sure they have a witness protection program, and this is what Tom said. The best way to gain candor is with a witness protection program. When names are disconnected, from comments, the feedback recipient will be unable to recognize their source and will be uninterested in responding directly. The feedback will be recognized and perceived as an opportunity for professional growth and development. So he says, we need a witness protection program. But it's interesting, this is my side note here, he talks a little bit about, too bad we need this, and here's what he says. Why can't we be transparent when sharing candid, candid performance feedback information? Let's remember that our feedback recipients are human beings that are more valuable, that are more than capable of defeating their own purposes. So constructive feedback should be valued, welcomed, and even amazing. I like how he said that. So constructive feedback should be valued, welcomed, and even amazing. How about that? Giving people amazing feedback, things that are really going to help them. 
Okay, back to Tom. But if we have to allow people to shoot while undercover, might it be time to examine the system that has created that need? Why can't people have candid discussions about self-improvement without protecting their identity? All too often, it's simply not possible or feasible to collect feedback without anonymous surveys, a.k.a. witness protection. Survey insights can be valuable. I have learned to examine all options for collecting the information before recommending or implementing the anonymous survey approach. I've learned to at least ask, why can't we share information with face-to-face conversations? And then he kind of closed some of the comments. He said some other things, but I'll share his final comments is, how will you create an environment where continuous professional improvement is universally supported? A place where anonymity is not a prerequisite for candor. When people play the game of hide and snipe, everybody loses. So interesting input from Tom around witness protection. And I totally get what he says. The ideal is everybody is honest and straightforward and um, companies that have that company value and core value and executives that demonstrate that and help everybody that work for and with them demonstrate that, that is just a healthier company. So I'm telling you, I'm honest and straightforward about my feedback and, and what's going on. Um, so he has a great, great um ideal there that too bad we need anonymous, um, but it, it is helpful and I do think it makes a difference because uh, even if we have a culture of, of being honest and straightforward, it is challenging sometimes for people to share in a way uh, that is with candor and to be specific. So 360 is a tool for it and I appreciate Tom's comment. All right, we're moving back to our mistakes We're over halfway through. Mistake number eight, you have too many items for people to rate on the survey. I see this a lot. People are like, okay, they've decided to do a survey, and now it's like, okay, let's put everything that we want ever wanted to know into the survey, and so there's too much for people to rate. If you have more than 40 items on a 360 or a team survey in any way, raters get fatigued, and we call it raider fatigue. It's like by the time you get to item number 35, 36, you're like, okay, enough already. I've given all my best thoughts, and I've really thought hard about this, and by 40, they're done. So don't put too many items on the survey. Try to keep it to 40 or less, and you'll keep everybody's attention, and you'll uh, avoid raider fatigue, and you'll get better feedback. Mistake number nine. The survey does not provide specific and actionable development recommendations for lowest scoring areas. So I mentioned the podcast that I did recently with Greg Gregory, podcast number eight, uh, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash uh, 360 feedback. Uh, Greg hated 360s because of he had seen people, he had been there to pick up the pieces when someone had been just given their results and there was no... Uh, discussion about them, no level setting, no, here's what we're going to work on, here's your strengths. So uh, the having development recommendations in the survey or in the results and making sure that those are covered, you know, here's what we're going to do with this information, and uh, here's some recommendations for some of the lowest scoring items. This is what the lowest scoring items might mean. This might be what people are seeing. Here's some actions you can take. That really helps. So um, you know, we all need to get better at something. You know, we're all all circling up, you know, in a spiral and we're never fully complete. We have all kinds of opportunity to uh, grow and expand. So, you know, if we knew how to excel at the next level in, in, in a particular area, 
we would already be doing it. But since we don't, we need some help. We need some development recommendations. So I, I really like that the tool I use has for the lowest scoring items, at least the starting point. They're not going to be optimal for everybody, but it's at least a starting point to say, this is what you need to do, or here's some options for development. And it gives people a starting point of how to take the information and move it forward and use it to their benefit. All right, mistake number 10, subjects only focus on the weaknesses and they leave the process and review session discouraged and feeling threatened. So all development plans should include a strong focus on leveraging strengths and on closing a a development gap one at a time. I recommend a three to one ratio. It's actually something that I have, I recommend it, but I found it and have seen the research through the Gallup organization. So three to one ratio is three strengths leveraged for every one gap closed this uh, this done right is encouraging and helpful. So people leave the process um, not thinking about only where they scored not well or a stinging comment from someone. They leave looking at, here's my strengths and here's a development opportunity, three to one. So you know, subjects should feel sure and more confident about what they offer and uh and how they can improve once they leave a development discussion. It's human nature and any assessment process for people to turn to, you know, this is what I'm not doing right. Here's where I need to improve. But what we've seen over and over again, I've seen it myself for myself and with other people. If you stay there and you help and you focus on what people are doing wrong, they get caught up in what they're doing wrong and performance deteriorates. It does not get better. And if you think about uh, a simple thing like, while back I was learning to play golf. I'm not, not, I need to get back to practicing and learning again. But when I was practicing, I needed to focus on one area of improvement at a time. And I was out at the range and some very quote unquote helpful dude came over and was saying, move your arm, fix your this, pull your swing further back here, stand here. And it was too much. And so whatever I was doing halfway right got even more wrong. So if we if we overfocus on what needs to be improved, that's all we can focus on is what we're doing wrong, and that's what continues. So on the same vein, when we go to mistake number eleven, subjects are allowed. This is a mistake. Subjects are allowed to pick many development areas to focus on instead of just one or two. And uh, why does this matter? Because my example of the golf thing, people can only successfully change one thing at a time. And you have have to have the survey subjects, if you're the person debriefing the report, pick the high impact development areas, one or two, that they can focus on and attack for improvement. That's the way to make a difference. You stick to the three to one ratio that Gallup um, suggests and you have people focus on those areas that they can attack. I love those words, attack. So I, you focus on what you can improve and in a very forceful and intense way, and that's how you get better. And so I love the word attack because it, it does imply focus and intense practice. I did a podcast on this same subject. I did a podcast uh, with Dr. Denny Coates around how we learn And he gave some great examples about how the brain learns and how you have to rewire the brain, so to speak, and about habits. And there's nothing more habitual than how we communicate and how we work as a leader and our personal skills and personal strengths. So if you want to 
learn more about that, kind of go back to why picking just a couple of high development impact high impact areas and attacking it is so important. You can go to wakeabeagerworkforce.com and look for episode number five. It's called Mythbusters. It's where uh, he helps bust uh, four of the top human resource development myths. So pretty powerful stuff and a really a new awakening. I don't know if it's new, but new again, awakening on how we help people change and how we help ourselves change and evolve and grow. Uh, so that's mistake number 11. Don't let uh, let folks pick a ton of development areas. Make sure, along with like a mistake number 10, that we're talking about strengths, three to one, and we're only only looking at one or two development areas. Mistake number 12, survey subjects do not report back to the people who give feedback with a survey, a summary of the survey results and their action plan. Raiders hate it when this happens. When they take time to give feedback and they don't hear back from the subject, it breeds resentment and causes the raiders to judge the person that they gave feedback to. They're going to judge them more harshly. And so think about that. So you're an employee and you receive some information about giving feedback to your boss and you're secretly excited because you definitely have some ideas on how things can get better. You know, there's things you appreciate and there's some things that have been bothering you, but there's never been any way for you to share it. So you're excited. You're a little anxious because you don't know, you know, how this is going to turn out. You hope you know, that you won't get in trouble for anything you say, but you really want to help. And it's just a whole mix of things that people generally feel around a 360. You thoughtfully go through, you get your link, you fill it out, you feel good about the process, you thoughtfully answer the questions, you thoughtfully think about each one and try to give specific examples. I mean, you're just trying to be a great raider and really help. And then you submit it, you hit submit, and then you never hear one other thing about what that your leader or your manager is going to do with your, your feedback, what their plan is. And so it, it can be, it can cause resentment and it can make tension greater, not less, when the person who received the feedback never comes back to his raters or her raters and says, hey, thank you. Here's a summary, just keynotes. I mean, it can be a paragraph. Here's a summary of what what I found out are my strengths and here are my development opportunities and this is what I'm working on. So it doesn't happen very often. People don't always follow up. Uh, Marshall Goldsmith, a, a great executive coach who's written all kinds of great books about executives and coaching and leadership. He calls it feed forward where you go, you know, you say, tell me how I'm doing. And um, so I'm going to put a couple of links in the show notes about um, this process, the feed forward process, as well as an interview I did. It's a written blog post I did with a, a gentleman who wrote a book called Ask. And it's interesting because what he does is he does it in a storytelling format. And he follows a leader who had gotten feedback a couple of years ago, never did anything with it, has gotten his second feedback again two years later or however long later, and it's worse. And he's really upset and very defensive, and his coach is trying to help him understand how that happened and then help him go back to people and say, here's what I'm working on, and he doesn't want to do it. And so it's just interesting. It's a very good snapshot of what happens and how we feel and and the difference it makes when he actually does go back and say, here's what I'm working on. People start supporting him. So look for those show notes at pricelessprofessional.com slash yes to feedback. 
and I'll put a link to that article. And as I think I have some stuff on Feed Forward, and I'll put a link to that as well in the show notes. So we want to report back to the people who give us feedback and say, here's what we're working on. If you don't, things are not going to get better. Promise you. <laughs> and it's a, that's a key one that I think probably does not happen most of the time. Uh, I try to make it happen, help it happen. Um, but I think that's where you get a lot of leverage and that's how you start creating this environment in your organization of feedback, give and take. And you make feedback less threatening and you help people reframe it about how helpful it is. And they get used to giving it and they get used to receiving it and having someone report back to his or her raters is a part of that puzzle. So we're going to go to mistake 13. This is the last one. There's no follow-up with the subjects who were surveyed. So if there's no development discussions and there's no benchmarking process to see if there's been any improvement in the project or with the person, it just becomes, the 360 just becomes another flavor of the month exercise. Oh, we did it and it didn't make any impact. So follow-up is so important. Um, and there's many tools, the one I use is one of them, uh, that allows the ability to reassess in 18 to 24 months or any time you could do it, but I would suggest no sooner than 18 months. And you can basically resurvey and you can see here's where the leader improved and here where, here's where they didn't improve and or here's a new development opportunity. And so if leaders or the people who are receiving the feedback, the subjects, know at the out front that there is some accountability for making improvements and taking the feedback and doing something with it, they're more likely to do it. Otherwise, they're going to say, oh, interesting report, and they'll be excited about it for about a week. And then it's going to grow in a drawer and there will be no change. And so that we don't want that to happen. If we're going to spend the time and the money to roll something like this out, we want to help the leaders stay accountable to their development. And one way to do that is to let them know that they're going to be resurveyed in 18 months or 24 months. And so they're going to stay focused on changing those habits. And if we go back to um, that podcast, I talked about podcast number five, Mythbusters, um, with Denny Coates, the Dr. Denny Coates talking about how the brain works and how we learn. It is hard to change habits. It's doable, but it takes a lot of practice. And, and like I said earlier, he gives some great examples of some of his own challenges in getting better at listening and some other basic things. And so we have to have some accountability and some help and some assistance to change those habits, or we will just be human and go back to doing what we always do. Um, so that, that is a big mistake. There's no follow-up with the subjects. So I've got one last bit of feedback from a colleague, Vasily Pigeon. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right, P-I-G-I-N. He's a consultant out of Moscow, uh, the Russian Federation. And he was sharing on the LinkedIn conversation about his experience with 360. He's been using it since 2002. And he said, and I thought his comments were right on, it says, it's a great indicator for real openness, trust, and integrity of the management team. If they have a dominant or dictatorship management, they get minimum feedback from others. And um, if it's an open and democratic company, they get a lot more feedback. And he, he mentions in there about, you know, the, the dominant dictator type places where you can add comments. You know, there's literally no comments. And I recommend that you have comments. So here's an item I rated you. And then you get to list underneath it. Here's what I liked. Here's where I want improvement. And you do that after each one. Well, Vasily's comment is 
If it's a dictator type environment, you don't get much comment. You don't, people don't share anything additional. But if it's an open democratic company where people feel free and there's more trust, you get pages and pages of comments. And all of those comments are really helpful because it helps you get specific examples as to what needs to improve or, you know, what the situation was that caused the person to rate the person, rate the subject like they did. His summary, he says, people hate 360 when they're forced to lie or hide their real opinions because of a management team's non-integrity or low trust. People love 360 when they're being listened to and heard. And that 360 is a great annual tool for organizational development. So great comments from Vasily Pigeon from the Moscow Russian Federation. I appreciate uh, the folks who did dialogue with me on LinkedIn about 360 and that I was able to share their feedback here. So as we wrap up today, I do have a one, I think it's a couple pages, PDF. It has the top 13 mistakes summarized there. So you can download that if you want to get that. It's in the show notes, pricelessprofessional.com, yes, slash yes to feedback, Y-E-S-T-O feedback, all lowercase. And uh, you can download that for your next 360 so that you can make sure you stay on track. And um, I do do complimentary consulting calls. So it's a phone call. There's no pressure to buy or do anything, but we can talk about what you're thinking about around your 360. I can answer any questions. I can just kind of listen and share and see if I can be of any kind of service. If, if you need something that I don't offer or that's or we're not a match for each other, I probably will know somebody or a resource that would be. So I'd just be happy to talk to you. There's no obligation. It's all by phone. If you'd like a complimentary consultation, just give me a shout. You can go to pricelessprofessional.com slash Suzy, S-U-Z-I-E, all lowercase, and you'll see my, my contact form there. There's my phone number, and there's actually a place for uh, a complimentary consultation. You can fill that out, fill that form out. So as we close today, just a reminder, feedback is your friend. It's your organization's friend. It's your friend for your own professional development. And if you want superstars in your company, or if you want to be a superstar, you got to find ways to get more feedback. And, and we don't want to shy away from it. We want to move towards it. And I swear it gets easier and easier. The more feedback you get and the more you use it and the stronger footing you get on, um, the more you like it and you want more of it because you know it's going to serve you. So one way to get more feedback in organizations and for yourself if you're a leader is 360 feedback. So I hope that the tools and resources that I've shared here today give you more insight around you know, feedback and help you reframe it and understand how important it is and how to have a successful project. And I'm excited about my next podcast because I'm going to highlight a tool that I have learned about called Poll Everywhere. And it's this cool, easy way to gather live responses, whether you're at a conference or you're at a presentation, you're in the training, you're speaking. It's, you know, pretty much anywhere you are, you can put up a poll and ask the audience to text in their responses or they can go online since everybody has phones these days uh, or an iPad and they can text their responses in real time. You can get feedback, you can get input, and it's just another cool way to increase engagement when you're speaking, presenting, training um, in meetings and it's 
not expensive and it's just some neat technology. And so that's what I'm doing here in this podcast is sharing everything from processes around tools to ideas around uh, skills and development and how we learn. And so it's everything to have to do with how do you create a way to be a workforce. And so I'm excited about the Poll Everywhere podcast. So that'll be coming up in a couple weeks. It's a cool way to increase interaction and get more feedback. And I just want you to know about it. If you're leading groups or meetings or talks, you might want to know about it. I've actually got an interview scheduled with someone from Poll Everywhere. And also I'm going to talk to people, uh, colleagues who use it. And I haven't used it yet. I've just been on their website and I've just been amazed at how interesting it is. So anyway, I'm excited. You can tell I'm excited about sharing that with you. And I'm excited about doing this podcast. I want to keep it interesting and um, keep it helpful. If it is helpful to you, please be sure to subscribe or provide a review. Reviews help because other people like you who are looking at it might looking for the similar things similar might find it based on your reviews. So if you go to wakeabeakerworkforce.com, you'll see my podcast directory. There's a list of this is my ninth podcast and you'll see buttons there to all the article pages and show notes as well as a how to just subscribe or leave a review. So thank you for being a part of this. If there's something you want to communicate to me directly, you can also go to pricelessprofessional.com slash Susie, S-U-Z-I-E. All the best. Thanks for being a part of this. And uh, I hope that things are going great for you. And uh, have a great day. Take care. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources.